Hello, or should I say buongiorno, and welcome to the Travel Diaries podcast. I'm Holly Rubenstein, and this week we'll be heading on a tour of incredible Italy in this bonus destination special, which is brought to you in partnership with the British Airways American Express credit card. Now, I'm especially excited about this because I'm actually a BA Amex card member myself, and many of the flights I've taken over the last few years have been partly paid for using Avios, which is a reward currency you earn through spending. That's because for every pound that you spend on purchases with your BA Amex, you collect one Avios. So it is the perfect card for travel lovers like myself. And if you're tempted, if you're thinking of becoming a new card member and you haven't had an Amex in the past two years, there's a brilliant introductory offer that I'd like to tell you about where you're awarded a 5,000 Avios welcome bonus if you spend £1,000 in the first three months of card membership, which helps you get closer to the next chapter in your travel diaries, wherever that may be taking you. A few T's and C's, applicants must be 18 years or older, subject to approval, representative 22.2% APR variable, T's, C's and exclusions as always apply and taxes and fees apply to flight bookings. So we've got your flight sorted. Now it's time to get inspired for that future trip to Italy whenever you feel comfortable to travel again. As it stands, Italy is no longer on England's COVID travel corridors list of countries where you may not have to quarantine on your return home. Oh, it managed to stay on it for a long stint. But unfortunately, the government is currently advising against all but essential travel to Italy. As we know, though, these travel corridors change weekly. So please check the Foreign Office website for up-to-date information when you are planning your travels. And regardless, this is an episode to get you inspired for the future. And I really hope all of my previous episodes in the past few seasons, if you haven't listened to them, can do that too. It will give you a bit of wanderlust and armchair inspiration, I hope. Unsurprisingly, Italy is one of the most popular destinations to be picked on the podcast each week. And for today's episode, I've enlisted the help of some of my favorite guests from the last three seasons to create a special itinerary that covers some of the country's ultimate highlights. My guests favorite cities, their best hotels, their hidden gems, and much more from Puglia and Positano in the south to Venice and Trieste in the north. So before we get started on our grand tour of Italy, I'd like to welcome Marion Charles. Marion is a Brit who's been based in Italy for the majority of her life, and she is the go-to fixer for the rich and famous who are traveling to Italy. People come to her for her insider knowledge on everything about Italy, the next hot destinations, hidden gems, and best spots to visit. So I hope you'll enjoy hearing some of her top tips before we get started on our tour. Marion, welcome to The Travel Diaries. Thank you so much for joining me today on this incredible Italy special. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. And it's a lovely sunny day here in northern Tuscany. Oh, you're making me so envious. So you're already <laughs> selling Italy. <laughs> <laughs> the climate is uh, far superior to a very rainy day in London where I'm recording today. Yeah, we've got beautiful sunshine here, although it's quite chilly. So where are you calling me from? Um, I live in an area called Lunigiana, which is in the very, very northern tip of Tuscany. And so it's not really the classic Tuscany up here. It's quite wild. I have a view of the Apuan Alps with the Carrara marble, which, of course, everyone 
nose is sent all over the world. Oh, it sounds beautiful. So what do you think encapsulates Italy as a destination that makes it just so special for travellers? Because it's been mentioned by so many of my guests across the last three seasons. What do you think gives it that je ne sais quoi? Oh, probably je ne sais quoi, but in Italian, I should say. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. Personally, I think it's the huge diversity which Italy offers. And of course, one uses the word, the name Italy, but really, um, I always say to people, it's like lots and lots of small countries um, brought together because each region of Italy, they're all very proud of their traditions, their food, their wine. Um, so the diversity geographically with the wonderful coastline to the to the mountains and then the you know amazing variety of different cuisine throughout Italy not to mention the wine and you're known in particular for having this incredible little black book organizing trips on the down low for you know real a-listers who come to you for your insider knowledge so where do these celebrities I see that you've worked with you know Jude Law and Kate Winslet and Mm. uh, Stella McCartney Uh, where do they like to hang out in Italy I do get quite a lot of yeah, the kind of uh, yeah famous people, <laughs> and they want to really go places where the places that aren't quite as well known on the whole. So they want something more authentic. They want to be somewhere they, where they can um, experience the authentic Italy. Hopefully, be a little bit anonymous. <laughs> um, so I mean, one area where I've sent some of these people, including Coldplay, is. The Val d'Orcia, which is the southern part of Tuscany, lies below south of Siena, mm-hmm. and which has beautiful untouched scenery. That in itself is a UNESCO site. There's lots of hilltop villages, the kind of classic uh, rolling hills with the citrus trees and the wineries, lots of Renaissance and medieval history. Um, and where people can escape into what I would call is the kind of authentic Tuscany. I think it appeals to a lot of people because they can enjoy both outstanding natural beauty together with the history that one can, you know, the towns like Siena, if one wants to, of course, further, you know, further north from there is obviously Florence. There are other towns such as um, Cortona and then the hilltop villages of Montepulciano, Montalcino, famous for their wines. Um, then there's also Pienza. So that area is one where I personally send a lot of different clients of mine, yes. So the nature of your job is all about you know, finding these hidden gems of Italy, uncovering these secret locations and you know getting under the skin of the surface of Italy so I was just wondering if you could recommend if you could reveal a few of those to us. Yes um, I think it's very special it's the island of Ponza which is one of the Pontine islands which lay uh, are situated off between Rome and Naples basically and Ponza one reaches either what a ferry or a hydrofoil or else on a, a private boat departing from either of those destinations 
Yes, well, well, from Anzio, which is between Rome and Naples, and there's no there's no cars on Ponza, and um, it's a very small island, and, and Ponza is all about the incredible uh, the sea. It's the most incredible sea. So what one really needs to do there is is go out on boats and right. discover all the little coves. Um, there's so much to explore. The cuisine on Ponza is outstanding. Um, there's a couple of really there's a there's one incredible restaurant called Aquapazza, and this year I know they opened a new one called um, the Punta Bianca, mm-hmm. and they exquisite dishes. And it's not somewhere which foreign tourists really know about at all. No. Um, and uh, and to be honest, not that many Italians either. Um, but I, I know that Sophia Loren um, used to go, <laughs> and really... uh, and Jack Cousteau, well, because of the the, the sea and the uh, marine life. So it sounds like a really relaxing, yeah, totally, yeah, destination. Off. Yeah, exactly. And what is the interior of it like? It's quite it, it's quite dry and wild, but it's a, it is only a small island. Um, you won't go for some fantastic walks. And um, from the villa which I work with, um, you look down, you've got the sea right below you, you can see the harbour. Obviously, it's, you know, we're, we're quite far south in Italy there, so it gets very hot summers. But there's always the breeze and these crystal clear water. And, and again, also, because it's small and there aren't really that many places to stay, it remains a very special um, place to visit. That sounds like a true hidden gem. Absolutely beautiful. That's the thing about Italy, isn't it? I mean, it's just got such a variety of experiences that one can have when it comes to travel. So whatever your preference, if you are ticking boxes on a on a travel website, whatever your preference, you would find it there. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, one could quite easily spend six months to a year just you know it'd be lovely to go in a car and just explore from one end to the next well that's what I'm proposing we'll be doing on today's episode actually because we're going to be going on a tour starting down in the south and then working our way all the way up to the north before we kick off on that road trip Marion I was just wondering if I had to push you what would be your all-time favorite Italian destination it's a question I always ask my guests help you got me <laughs> um my all-time destination well it probably would be it could well be Sicily to be perfectly honest but then of course Sicily is hugely varied as well what is it about Sicily that makes it your favorite I, I love the people in Sicily the food is exceptional um it, it feels quite wild and then as I said you know the east side is completely different from the west side with all the Greek temples the inland Sicily feels very wild then then there are the islands the Aeolian islands there's Pantelleria of course and then Palermo is a city and uh and Siracusa both steeped in in history food markets lots of hidden secrets to discover 
Well, what a pick to end on because, as it happens, Simon Calder, the travel editor of The Independent and all-round travel guru, kicks off our Italian travel diaries in Sicily, picking the city of Syracuse or Siracusa on Sicily's eastern Ionian coast as one of his hidden gems. Then we hop over to the mainland, beginning in Puglia, the region that forms the heel of Italy's boot in the south. It's a destination that has become so popular in the last few years with travellers. They're discovering that not only does it have some of the best sandy beaches on the mainland, it's known for its whitewashed, beautiful hillside towns and those iconic, truly houses. You've probably seen them on social media. They're the circular stone huts with distinctive conical roofs. They're suddenly the first thing I think of when I picture Puglia. And this is the place where Jackie Gifford, the editor-in-chief of Travel and Leisure magazine in the US, picks her all-time favourite hotel. Syracuse in, in Sicily, not, not many people go there. Billions of people fly into Catania Airport yeah. and they don't just go out, wait by the bus stop. In half an hour, a bus will be along. It will take you an hour. It will take you to this miraculous city so steeped in history. Syracuse, um, Syracuse. Uh, bottom right-hand side of Sicily. Uh, just, of course, invaded by every every civilization which swept across the Mediterranean. So lots of Greek, Roman history. Now it's slightly tottering Italian place. I mean, Sicily, I think, is kind of like a distilled, more intense version of Italy. So, um, mm. so, so that's very good. Last year, we stayed at Borgo Ignazia in Puglia with my son. Oh. And Oh, I've always wanted to go there. Uh, the owner, Aldo Melpignano, is just the kindest man alive. And, you know, Borgo is a, is a fantasy of an Italian village uh, come to life. And it does feel, in a way, like theater in a good way. It is, it is so, everything is immaculate. The food is incredible. The service is incredible. The 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 sort of guest overall guest experience of being in Puglia, you know, they really the family has really put they put Puglia on the map for tourism because they were the ones who yeah. opened Masseria San Domenico many years ago. And you know, for my son who's who's still young, it was just so amazing how attentive they were to children. The Italians in general really love children, and so I think um, it was it was a great experience for us as a family next we cross over to the west and the amalfi coast to one of southern italy's most glamorous and photogenic destinations positano it's no surprise that supermodel poppy delavine describes it as the first place she fell in love with and then we head a bit further north to rome Italy's iconic and ancient capital city, home of the Colosseum, Pantheon and St. Peter's Basilica. And it's here that Poppy Delavine reveals her Italian hidden gem. For me, when I first went to Positano in Italy and I had found somewhere where it was okay for me to eat pasta for breakfast, lunch and dinner, <laughs> that was totally not frowned upon and I could do it and I could have a pasta belly and just be rolled around by my husband. That for me was like heaven on earth and somewhere that still to this moment when I think about it, I like, I get tears in my eyes. Honestly, if I could just be magicked back there right now, I would in a heartbeat. And I first went there, I think the first time I went there was for a friend of mine's 50th birthday, um, the wonderful Nat Massenet. 
And oh. I will always thank her and love her for introducing me to it. We called it then Popitano, of course. <laughs> we like slightly changed it up. Um, and then I said to James, we've got to go back there as a couple. And we went and we stayed at the beautiful Cyrenus mm. um, with the wonderful car. Always who wanted owns to go there. Yeah. Oh my gosh, it is so stunning. And she is just the most incredible host. And it's just tucked away in this hill. And it almost feels like a toy town, the whole of Positano, and you've got endless steps and it's always an adventure. You walk out and you don't know where you're going to end up and you're always out of breath. <laughs> and by the end of your journey, you're always like, right now I deserve a massive glass of wine and a massive bowl of pasta, which is always the way forward. And they have all these incredible um, restaurants. There's a restaurant you can get a boat to called Dodolfo which was incredible, very rustic. That you get a boat to get to. You have to get a boat to get there. And the beach is all stones um, that totally burn your feet, but it's so worth it. But it's very, very rustic. And they literally just hand you bowls of pasta and you eat basically what you get given. Um, They do peach bellinis there with real peach, which I know sounds a bit crazy when people are like, well, of course, they're always real peach. But no, no, this is like you get gloops of peach in your mouth as you're drinking them like you know they have just been freshly picked and freshly mushed into your bellini which kind of changes that is dreamy changes everything and um yeah i just think it's definitely the first place i ever fell totally head over heels in love with okay so this one is really bonkers and i can't believe i'm telling you because it really is my hidden gem but it is this incredible place in rome and uh, it's called the, I'm going to say it's completely wrong now, so I apologize to all Italians. It's Residenza Na- Napoleon, mm-hmm. and it's an apartment set on the Via Condotti, and which is right at the, you know, the bottom of the Spanish steps. Basically, how do I describe it? It is an apartment, but it's like you've stepped into a fairy tale. And, and you rent it out. And you rent it out, uh-huh. you know, for two or three nights. And it's 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 still like it would be. I think I think it was Napoleon's apartment back in 1830 or something really nuts like that. So everything is exactly the same. Everything oh. is completely ornate and traditional, and it is like traveling back in time. And there's this massive oil painting in one of the bedrooms that you open, and inside is the bathroom. I'm not joking. So you step inside the painting, and inside is this completely ornate and bonkers bath. Oh. And the other magical thing is that you never really see anybody. So you go out for dinner and you come back and the whole place is lit with candles. And or when you first arrive and you go, oh gosh, where are our bags? And you go into your wardrobe and there's a walk-in wardrobe and everything is unpacked. Yet you haven't seen anyone. So they must have like these secret doors everywhere where they like slip in and slip out. Um, or you wake up in the morning and breakfast is completely laid out, but you haven't heard anybody. And it's just in the next door room. And there are no TVs, but what they do have is they have this incredible screen that comes down from the ceiling. And the only DVD they had was Roman Holiday with Audrey Hepburn. So my husband had never seen it. And I was like, we have to watch this. So we were literally in bed eating pasta, of course, um, and watching Roman Holiday with um, Audrey Hepburn, which was just a dream come true. But How did you find out about it? Melinda, Auntie Min, of course. (laughs) I was like, Min, I need to go somewhere that's totally romantic and off the beaten track and that no one would have known or been there. She said, go here. So thanks, Auntie Min. Great. Love you. Tip. (laughs) 
Now we head north to central Italy and the capital of the Tuscany region, Florence. Florence's UNESCO-listed city centre is made by art lovers for art lovers. It's home to some of the great masterpieces of the Renaissance art and architecture movement. And it's an all-time favourite destination for both James Lorne, the founder of the boutique travel company Mr and Mrs Smith, and for international superstar chef and restaurateur Yotam Ottolenghi. I really, really love Florence. Uh... I love cities you can walk around and don't have to get in a cab or tubes or whatever it might be. And Florence is very walkable. It's so beautiful. The architecture is stunning. Uh, I love all the galleries. I love uh, the Ponte Vecchio. I love the you know I love the the feel of it. The restaurants, the bars, the buzz. Uh, so I think I think yeah, Florence would be one. And I had an amazing meal at a restaurant called Il Latini, which is a bit touristy, but it was a really great restaurant. It was the first place I'd been to where I remember arriving and we sat down and they just said, what do you want to drink? And I said, I could look at the wine list and it was like red or white. And I loved that. I was like, oh, there's no choice. I love yeah, this. And then yeah. here's, the, here's the starter. There's either uh, this or this. You know, there was just two starters and two main courses. And it was one of the best meals I've ever had. And I really yeah. loved that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. Uh, and it was also JK Place we found there which now is an amazing collection of hotels and uh, I remember arriving at JK Place which was one of the ones that we were considering but only from the website you can never be sure and we weren't sure about it from their website and I walked in going wow this place is amazing this is why we're doing this and I remember that excitement which is what I really love to feel when I'm finding a new hotel. We used to go to Florence a lot uh, when I was a child because my father was born in Florence. They came to, they have to, they had to leave Europe before the Second World War. So he had to, they left Italy when he was a very young child. But during my childhood, so in the 50s and 60s before I was born, uh, my father and his parents kept on going to Italy and and there was a, a small apartment in Florence that belonged to the family that they kept. And we used to go and stay in that apartment at, in the summers sometimes uh, when I was a child. And um, this was an ongoing thing. I think we've been there a few times, maybe from the age of six or seven and then on to to, to, to my teens. And those, those visits to Florence really stuck to my mind I really did feel in love with this place with how different it was from where where we were growing up that kind of messiness of Jerusalem and Florence with its history but also very kind of solid European and northern Italian restraint and I I loved the food and I loved the smells and I I, you know we would make my dad would go out in the morning and get um focaccias from the bakery and and all sorts of interesting breads rolls that were uh, so fresh and delicious, and I've got this rosemary focaccia from the bakery, or or an schiacciata, which is another kind of flatbread that was topped with grapes and fennel seeds and some sugar, and mm. and those were things that really stuck to my mind in terms of flavors, but also the whole business of the of how different it was, how European and civilized it all seems, you know the the churches and the synagogues and the big squares and the and the galleries that we used to go and see the you know the old masters works and and I, I loved everything about this city I still do I haven't been there for a few years but uh, but it just stuck into my mind I think this was this is one of the first places that has definitely 
uh, or the ice cream, the pistachio ice cream. There was one place, uh, gelateria, uh, where we had went. It was called Perkeno, and we used to go there and get pistachio ice cream and sit. And it's just, you know, it's un- un- unforgettable, the most delicious experience. Next, we have two destinations that I think could work really well for a dual center trip as they're only an hour apart from each other by car or train and they're also a short train journey from Florence too. We're in the north of the country now and food icon Rick Stein tells us about his favorite foodie city, the gastronomic capital of northern Italy, Bologna. Then we head east to the city of Ravenna which Lonely Planet's founder, Tony Wheeler, picks as his Italian hidden gem. Are you driven by food in terms of deciding where you would go? Totally driven by food. Really? I mean, it's the first, the first and most important part of any trip, planning any trip. I won't go anywhere where I don't think the food's any good because oh, I, I just get a bit cast down, you know. I mean, it's food first and then sort of cultural stuff second. Yeah. But I need both, to be honest. And that's why I think the programs we did called Long Weekends were so successful because mm. they were driven by food. But I needed some history to throw in and some atmosphere. And that's why somewhere like Bologna, surprisingly, was one of the most popular of my destinations because it's not actually a city, although it's probably in Italian terms, the most famous city in the whole country for food. But a lot of British people didn't know that. But for me, I mean, the food was fabulous, incredibly rich, tons and tons of parmesan, tons of prosciutto, everything sort of wrapped in masses of prosciutto and parmesan inside. Is it where spaghetti bolognese comes from? Of course, and it's also the home of ragu bolognese, which they always do with tagliatelle, not with spaghetti. Mm. Plus, they have this fantastic wine called Sangiovese, which is quite... It's not particularly full-bodied, but and it's quite acidic, but it really works with their rich cooking. Do you know, there's lots of second cities in Europe that are great to go to, and one of the ones I went to last year, which just blew me away, I, for two, two years in a row, I'd been to this travel event in Rimini, um, Italian city, Adriatic coast, very nice, where um, Fellini came from. Mm -hmm. But just north of Rimini, only a half an hour train ride or something, is Ravenna, which is famous for its mosaics. And I knew about Ravenna, and I love mosaics. I'm a a sucker for mosaics, whether they're Roman ones in Morocco or Turkey or wherever. Great mosaics in Britain. Um, But Ravenna I hadn't been to. So on my way to Rimini last year, I stopped off in Ravenna for a couple of nights I was blown away. These the, these churches, which were, you know, early Christian, they were wonderful. The mosaics were wonderful. And again, if anything, this was under-touristed. I thought, here am I admiring this beautiful church, and there are one or two other tourists here. But I'm not, it's not like being in Venice, you know, fighting elbow to elbow. But you're only in Venice, it's only in St. Mark's Square. So Ravenna, <laughs> wonderful. Wow. I'd recommend it. <laughs> How did you find out about it? I've got no Lonely Planet book says, you know, go to Ravenna for the mosaics. (laughs) But also being in Rimini and two years in a row, people in Rimini were saying, you know, while you were here, did you stop in Ravenna on the way? No, I didn't. So next year, second time, I did stop in Ravenna on the way. 
Our final stops on this tour of incredible Italy are in the northeast. An Italy special wouldn't be complete without a stop in Venice. The city of love, canals, gondolas, rich history. It's the first place that Michael Palin fell in love with. But as Peter Gruner from Lonely Planet magazine points out, it is a city that is so popular that it struggles with over-tourism. So he helps us discover an alternative way to experience the city. And finally, we conclude things in Trieste. Almost entirely surrounded by Slovenia on the Adriatic, it's both physically and spiritually in some ways separated from the rest of Italy, and it's high on Rick Stein's travel wish list. The first place that you fell in love with, what would that be? I think it would probably be Venice, which must be many people's answer, but... I didn't go abroad a lot. I think went on two skiing holidays. Mm-hmm. But the year after we married, Helen and I married in 1966, and we went for on our first really sort of significant holiday to Venice in late 1967. Helen was just pregnant with our first son, Tom. And um, I remember reading a book at her, her mother and father's house up, up near Cambridge, and they had Jan Morris's book on Venice. And I was just entranced by it. I just read it, and it was just so wonderful. I remember thinking, can it be as good as this? It's sort of, somehow it's bound to be disappointing. And when I got to Venice, not only did I, I I suppose, fall in love with it, it may be a bit strong, but I did did find it an enchanted place. And I found that uh, Jan Morris's view of Venice and interpretation of Venice and and evocation of Venice was just the, almost the same as in practice as I'd read in the book. So I was able to, it was like going, I mean, my wife and I had never been to Venice before, actually Helen had been before, but I'd never been to Venice before. But I had this other companion, which was the book itself, and which sort of stimulated me and, and, and sort of enhanced my whole joy of the place, yeah. Mm. And did that in turn inspire you as a travel writer? Did you take from those experiences and want to channel that into the the, pu- the published mm. works you've got now i i um always enjoyed writing uh, i enjoyed other people's writing and i enjoyed writing myself whenever i traveled i always took a notebook with me um mm. and jotted things down um and uh, i suppose reading morris's book on venice and realizing how what you can capture as a travel writer made me feel yes that I would like to emulate that in some shape or form and see mm. if I could concentrate my writing on the places I go to. We did nearly buy a house there at one time, but really? it didn't work out. We were gazumped or whatever the Italian for gazumped is. <laughs> it's still very, very beautiful, um, and I, I'd, I'd go back there any time. <laughs> We are very wary of certain kinds of over-tourism, which is such a topic at the moment that that we're all discussing. Um, We don't want to typically be prescriptive about don't go to St. Mark's Square in Venice. We don't want to say that, but we want to arm the traveller with options to say, if you go there at that time as that big cruise ship's coming in, it may be rammed and that may not be for you. And local people sometimes may find that very difficult to cope with. Mm. Infrastructure may strain. There is this other neighborhood that's 15 minutes walk away that has these beautiful buildings, has all of this culture, has a sense of local life, which if that is appealing to you as a traveler, 
we're just telling you it's there as well. I say this having been to Venice last autumn with, with my daughter and seen the beauty of St. Mark's Square and the Basilica there. But we stayed in Canareggio, which is just around the corner. And we were glad for that side to the city mm. as well and felt mm. very privileged to see that. Mm-hmm. I actually felt quite annoyed, I will say this, about how infrequently on Instagram, amongst different travellers or in travel media, anyone bothers to just go that 15 minutes further over. But I guess that's my job, to put those options out there. I mean, I'm actually going um, to to Trieste in, uh, in northern Italy because it's sort of... Um, if I did another long weekend, it's where I go. It's, again, a bit like Tbilisi. I've read about it, but I think it's... It's an Italian city, but I think it's more like uh, Vienna on sea. I know there's the sort of buildings are very sort of like empire type buildings like Vienna, but I imagine the food would be a, a, a cross between um, Viennese, Austrian, and Italian. And everybody that goes there absolutely loves it. Also, what's really fascinating for me is, of course, one of my great literary heroes, James Joyce, lived there for a long time. So to follow the sort of James Joyce trail, not through Dublin, but through Trieste. It's not a big trip, but it's like, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And is that a holiday? Yeah, I'm going with my wife, Sass. And, you know, it's really good going with her because, yeah, just suppose we ended up filming there, that she's really good at sort of finding the little quirky details that make sort of programmes when you're in a city like that come alive. Wonderful. Well, there we go. A grand tour of Italy. So many destinations that sound so wonderful. I tell you what, it's uh, it's making me want to whip out my British Airways American Express card and book some Italian adventures for myself. You know, the itinerary we covered today, it's pretty comprehensive, isn't it? Uh, We've covered many of the highlights of Italy, but there are a few spots that I'd love to add. Some of my own Italy travel diaries. The first place I fell in love with in Italy is the Isle of Capri, or as they would say, Capri. I know, I know, I couldn't have picked somewhere more glamorous, right? But there was just something so incredibly romantic about that island. It left such a lasting impression on me that I always said I actually wanted to get married there. Obviously, sadly, budgets didn't permit for that, but it still has such a special place in my heart. The journey to get there in itself has such a romance to it. You land in Naples. Actually, it's a really good place to combine with a trip to the Amalfi Coast and Positano, like the Poppy Delavine mentioned. And from there, you take a 40-minute hydrofoil to the island, which kind of looms big in the distance, jutting out of the sparkling water. And once you arrive there, it's just like being transported into a Slim Aaron's photograph. It's so striking because you pull up into the port and the island is totally pedestrianized. So you either walk everywhere or you take funiculars and it's incredibly steep, except they do have these tiny, extremely photogenic, candy colored open top Fiat taxis that kind of poodle along these tiny roads, winding roads to ferry people to their hotels with their luggage, which is just adorable. And, you know, it's not the cheapest place to stay. So another way to experience it is to visit Sorrento, another beautiful destination or somewhere in that vicinity. And then you can take a day trip there very easily. You could even hire a little boat for half a day and see it that way. I organized my trip there through a tour operator, which 
which I think is a really good choice for travelers right now in these uncertain times. Uh, I thoroughly recommend them, actually. They were called Citalia, who are Italy experts. They recommended the hotels that I stayed in and trip ideas that appealed to my taste. So that was a really wonderful trip. And then my all-time favorite Italian destination. Well, that is actually also my hidden gem. And it's a part of Lake Maggiore in the Italian lakes. So when you think of the Italian lakes, you're most likely going to think of Lake Como. You go there if you want to spot those opulent lakeside villas. It is, of course, absolutely spectacular. But the reason that I chose Lake Maggiore is I wanted to experience the extraordinary beauty of the Italian lakes and the glitz and the glamour too but without the crowds and the congestion that you often experience when you visit the lakes and I was able to when I discovered Ascona. Now this is a bit of a naughty answer because while Ascona is on Lake Maggiore and that's the second largest Italian lake the very northernmost tip of the lake actually belongs to Switzerland And it was here that I found Ascona and I was truly spellbound. There I was, sitting on the shore of Maggiore, surrounded by palm trees, looking out at this vast shimmering lake, framed by these lush green mountains that plunged into the water. It was really something kind of Jurassic looking. And Ascona itself is a really beautiful picture postcard pastel colored village that hugs the waterfront there there's a pedestrianized promenade on the waterfront there's so much to do there there's a big art scene there wonderful italian food in switzerland you know you've got the pasta and the ice cream and the aperol and if you do go there you must visit an island that is in the middle of the lake near to escona called isola grande which was a haven for artists, musicians and writers back in the day, including James Joyce, who went there to write. On the island, there's this beautiful Palladian villa that has just inside it a little cafe and a restaurant, nothing really much else there. And what it's really known for is its gardens. I'm just looking it up. It has 1,700 species of exotic flowers and plants on this tropical island in the middle of the lake. Because it's in the middle of the lake, it has this crazy microclimate. It really was incredibly special all surrounding this beautiful Palladian villa. So I'd really recommend that too. Really, this is my hidden gem because it's an opportunity to experience La Dolce Vita with the kind of Swiss style sleek efficiency in the background, making everything super efficient. Uh, I loved it. And obviously a great place to explore the rest of Lake Maggiore, which is in Italy itself. I hope you enjoy being transported to incredible Italy today and that it's inspired you for your future travels whenever you feel comfortable traveling again and when Italy is back on the travel corridor safe list. Thank you again to British Airways American Express Card for their support today. It's been a real treat to partner with a product that I use each day and value. So thank you again. If you enjoyed this episode and you want to keep track of what's coming up with the Travel Diaries, come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. I'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, do stay safe, everyone. Sending healthy vibes to you all and I'll speak to you soon. 